real quickly, guys, I've got, I got 20 minutes left. I'm sorry. I, preliminaries and worship was good. I, I just, just say this. We're going to do something we've never done in 24 years before, and that's a sunrise service Easter Sunday morning. Some people say, what is a sunrise service? It's, it's exactly what it sounds like. 6.30 in the morning, we gather as if it was the moment that Jesus rose from the dead. We sing songs. We remember stories. Uh, I'm going to wear a suit and a tie. I may have to buy a new one because I put on some weight. You know what I mean? And we're, we're going to, you say, well, that's kind of what my grandmother did. I, and I know, but I'm a grandfather now. Maybe it's getting cooler. How many guys are watching Lawrence Welk and it's not mandatory? You're just doing it? Guys, my screen just went away. I need my screen back on again. Creative arts guys, get my notes back up, please. So Sunday morning, which is Easter Sunday morning, 6.30 in the morning, out in the foyer way so we can see all that natural light coming in through the windows. And uh, then at 9 o'clock and 11.30, we're doing a completely different thing in here. It's going to be a clear, I, I, to me, it's just, it's just a simple, beautiful presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is, it is filled with his love. It is filled with the reality. It's filled with contradictory truth to, to truth that it was raised us up, up against the knowledge of God and said, no, no, God's like a wall or God, God cares about is my sin. It's like, it's not. We're going to get right to the heart of what God is doing, what God has done, and what God wants to do in people's lives. And my hope is this place is full of people that don't know Jesus. I'm talking like, like Ohio State fans and, and people that say go green, you know, when Michigan's still in the tournament, it's okay to say go green when Michigan's out, but Michigan's still in, I don't know, so um, just, just praying that God gets a hold of people. How many guys, Jesus got a hold of you, and you'd like to see that miracle done again, right? So that's Easter Sunday morning coming up. Um, let me just start with this. Today we're going to get into something uh, that, that, you know, you heard Pastor Kevin just, isn't that story just literally like gut-wrenching, like bowel-exposing? It's a an incredible story, and if you didn't know that that man had been stabbed all those times and hunted the neighborhood with a loaded gun looking for the son of a gun that stabbed him and how God worked into that process, I, I sometimes it's like, man, they said something mean about me on social media, and I'll never forgive them. And here's somebody that's been through that, you're like, okay, am I even saved? I mean, if there are people that God is leading to places of mercy that is that mountainous, do I have any right to stand upon my anthill and complain about how unfair people are to me. This makes sense? So we wanted to start the series by showing you not, not a biblical example, not a Gandhi, not a Mother Teresa, a Kevin Ramsby who stood on this platform covered in scars and said, there's a man that tried to kill me for drugs, and I forgave him. Something about that, that journey, that war, as he calls it, because forgiveness is a journey, because forgiveness is a journey, it's a war. It's an ongoing battle for my heart to stay in line with God's heart. So today we're going to get into this. But let me just start by saying this. There was a day, and there will be a day, where mercy will no longer be required. There was a day in the Garden of Eden where no one had to forgive anybody anything. There was a day where God and men were in complete fellowship. Adam and Eve were naked, as they say down south, and had no shame. There was nothing to hide from each other. There was no embarrassment. There was no sin. There was no, yes, I spent too much money, I, and I didn't tell you, but it's, there was a good sale on the shotgun, and I had to, sweetie. And she's like, a shotgun? Are you killing animals? I don't even know you anymore. You know, that kind of stuff. There was none of it. Nothing was hidden. Everything was out. And in the end, in, in heaven, there's not going to be a need for mercy. There'll just be a celebration of the expression of mercy that will last forever. But we're not going to need to forgive each other. There's going to be something that's removed from us, that's in us or around us or in the atmosphere of our world right now that we have to contend with every day. So we, we know what it is as a species to live outside of, of, of sin. And we know what it is, we will know what it is to live in, in a greatness of, of expressed mercy. But right now, understand this, guys. The only thing, everybody say the only thing. The only thing that makes hell heaven again 
The only thing that makes offense go away, the only thing that makes bitterness disappear, the only thing that undoes what we do to each other and what we do to God is forgiveness. That's it. There's no medication. There's, there's no therapy. There's no alcoholic substance. There's nothing you can smoke, toke, or choke. The only thing we have to turn it back to the way God wants it to be is when we forgive. The only way that turned it back to where God wanted it to be is he forgave us. This makes sense? Sin enters it. I want to say this just in big letters. Forgiveness is the only. Everybody say only. It's the only thing that resets what's fallen. That's it. And, and I wish that weren't true. I wish there was justice. Someone strikes you on the right cheek, punch him in the mouth. He'll learn. <laughs> Someone, that was the hardest amen I've gotten all day over there. Yeah. You know, someone punches you in the, in the face, stab him. Just, you know, it's hard to punch you again when there's a knife sticking out of your chest. This makes sense to me. How many of us read the Old Testament and go, I'd rather live there? But Jesus comes and says, no more eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, life for life. Now it's my eye. It's my tooth. It's my life. And I set an example for you to live. Let me show you what I mean. Let's talk about marriage for a second. You are only married to the extent that you've forgiven each other. And by the way, everyone that came before you ever met in the romantic part of your life. Your marriage is as good as mercy allows it to be. Your trust, your love, your intimacy. It's only as good as, as forgiveness, as mercy has allowed it to be. I'll never trust you because I trusted somebody once and they hurt me. I'll never trust you because when I did trust you, you betrayed me. I'll never because you always and they never and all women and all men and all marriage. And it, you hear what I'm saying? Your marriage is only as good as mercy has positioned it for blessing. Your family. You know, we used to have, we used to get together for Euchre, but then after Grandma died, all the brothers got together and fought over the estate, and we don't even see each other anymore. It's really sad. Your family is only a family to the extent that you've been able to forgive each other. Does this make sense? Your, your friendships. You only have friends to the extent you've been able to forgive them and those who came before them. You know, I used to have best friends. What happened, what happened to elementary school best friends and high school best friends and college best friends? You could lie to yourself and say, I just got too busy. Or you be honest and say, I got hurt by some people along the way, and I just decided never to get that close again. Boy, it's quiet in here today. You guys okay? You laughed at Kevin's jokes. You're quiet today. I forgive you. There we go. As a church, guys, we only have a church. What Jesus means when he says church, to the extent that we've forgiven each other and forgiven those whose names are pastor or brother or sister, or, right? Like, unless we get over stuff, we'll never get on with stuff. That's just the reality of it. The kingdom of heaven runs on the currency of faith, trusting God and each other. If we don't have that, then we don't have what the kingdom has to give us. If we don't trust God because where was he when, if we don't trust each other because I knew someone like you once, you hurt me once, and once you're on the wrong side of that line, I'm sorry, no one ever gets back to this side of that line. The currency of the kingdom of God runs on trust, on faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please who? Please, it's impossible. We have to. We have to trust God. We have to trust each other. Jesus is a new commandment I give you. Love one another. Well, what's, one of the attributes of love is love keeps no record of. It forgives. It just does. You know love's going to be hard when it says love is patient and it ends up with love, you know, love never quits. It's like, how many of you guys know that between patience and, and never quitting, there's a lot of hard stuff. You know, love is fluffy. I want that. Love is warm. Love is squishy. Oh, it's, I'm just describing hugging my grandmother, warm, fluffy, squishy. You know what I mean? Uh, love is a battlefield. Pat Benatar, chapter 1, verse 2. You've got you to imagine trust is like my femur. 
You, you don't see it, but it's really important. If my femur bends a little, I feel it. If it breaks, you'll see it. I can't walk anymore. I'm literally disabled by the injury done to what you can't see. You'll, you'll notice there because there's, there's a knee, and above the knee, there's another knee. There's only supposed to be one knee between the hip and the ankle, right? If there's two knees, then, then it's, it's broken. And I want you to, forgiveness, guys, hear me. Forgiveness is what mends the broken bone, the broken trust, and the broken heart. How many guys think that's an amazing thing? That we can literally mend broken hearts with forgiveness. We can literally, I'm not saying all broken hearts, but the broken hearts that come because of betrayal, stealing, lying, broken trust, we, they can literally be repaired with this powerful thing called forgiveness. It's an amazing. How many guys, how many guys think this sounds awesome? <laughs> okay. So why isn't forgiveness then the default setting of mankind? If, if it's that powerful, if it's that important, if it keeps us connected to God and each other, if it's what makes the church a church, a marriage a marriage, a family a family, and friends friends, why isn't this the default setting of mankind? I'll give you three good reasons. Because forgiveness costs the forgiver. So, you know, you, you wrote that down wrong. Forgiveness costs the offender. No. No, the offender gets away free. That's one of the key reasons why we don't want to forgive. Because if I forgive someone who hurt me, they get away with it. That doesn't seem like the happy ending the Hallmark Channel promised me. That seems like a contradictory. Matter of fact, that, that forgiveness is completely counterintuitive. You strike me on the cheek and I say, we're cool. You strike me on the cheek. I assess the situation and find out what to pluck, pull, stab, shoot. But, but I, I am going to, I won't be safe until you're afraid to ever do it again. That makes perfect sense. Is that just a man's point of view or is that everybody? I just heard a good female no. Thank you. It, it's, I, don't mess with her. That's all I'm saying. I don't know who it was, but... <laughs> it's completely counterintuitive, and forgiveness requires great faith, really, in the one who, who forgives. Like, I got to trust that what I'm doing doesn't feel right. What I'm doing feels like another injustice on top of the original injustice, and yet I have to trust the one who forgave me that what he did for me was right, and what I do for you is the right thing as well. How many of you know that when it's the right thing, like, like, just step off, you'll be fine. But that's faith, because I know that if I step off this thing, gravity takes over and I fall to the ground. But there'd be something other than, than intuitive common sense that says, no, put your foot out there. The, the air will solidify under your feet. Like, I saw Raiders of the Lost Ark, man, but I don't know about the leap of faith stuff. You know what I mean? Like, I can't see it from the angle where I can tell it's actually a solid stone bridge. I mean, guys, the last crusade. Good. All right, good, good. I like old people. You're fun. So, so let's just explore a couple paths. We've we got a few minutes left. Let's explore a couple of paths and find out which one logically, biblically, seems like the right one to do. Let's, let's first of all go down the path of what if we don't forget. Let's just see where it goes. Jesus says this, Matthew chapter 6, verse 12. He's teaching on prayer, and you know, we call this the Lord's Prayer. It really is. It's the Lord's teaching on prayer. His prayer was that we would be one as, as we are one, and, and you know, the Father and Him are one, and we, you and I would be one. Um, but, but this is teaching on prayer, and there's some pretty radical stuff in there. Our Father, like calling God, uh, you know, pater, uh, like, like uh, paternity or, or paternal, pater, that, that Greek word, it's just, it's just a common daddy word. It's, it's not quite childish like Abba, like Father, but, it, but it's, it's, you know, you're just, you're just like an earthly title. There's lots, every, every man who's a father has that title. So when Jesus says, let's, let's approach him, we're going to do this together, our, and then he says, Patriots. Like, you understand, he's saying this to people that didn't say the name of God verbally because it was so holy. You might use it in vain and not even know it and be on the wrong side of his judgment. Jesus teaches us to pray. Okay, you ready? Everybody get together. Daddy? And they go, 
No. Hallowed be your name. Okay, we get that one. Kingdom come, will be done. No, no, no. We're supposed to die and go to the bosom of Abraham. We're supposed to go to this unknown place, not, not to the bad place, but to the good place. And, and you're talking about all the attributes of the good place, not us being good enough to go there, but you being good enough to bring there here. Do you see the radicalness of Jesus' teaching on prayer? So he gets to chapter 6, verse 12, forgive us our trespasses, our, our debts, our sins, as, as, as we forgive those who've sinned against us, trespassed against us, crossed our lines. Now, of all the radical things Jesus says in his teaching on prayer, he only comes back to one to explain because it is easily the most misunderstood and most radical thing he said. More radical than heaven coming to earth and blind eyes being open. More radical than bread falling from heaven on a daily basis is the thought that God would require us to walk in absolute mercy towards all mankind. So he comes back to it in verse 14. For if we forgive people when they sin against us, your heavenly Father will also forgive you your sins. Remember, we're exploring the journey. What if we don't forgive? This is what Jesus says. Not, not Jim says, Jesus. But if we do not forgive men when they sin against us, your heavenly Father will not forgive you your sins. I want to make this perfectly clear. I'm, I'm teaching this humbly. I really am. Can you say you're being humble? I think, I think you know what I mean. I'm, being, I'm trying to be gentle. It's not okay not to forgive. From where I'm standing, it's the most terrifying perspective for me as your pastor that you would live in this congregation, in this community of faith, and never be confronted with this one truth. It is unforgivable to walk in unforgiveness. You are not right with God. You're not on your way to heaven. It's not okay. And it gets worse. Matthew chapter 18, the parable of the unmerciful servant. Jesus, how many times are you supposed to forgive people they sin against? Us? Seven times? What do you think? That's a good number, good round number. It's whole. It's a number of weeks. It's, it's a number of completeness. What do you think? Seven times? And then we get to like never love them again? Who is qualified for my love, Jesus? And who is disqualified from my love because of their behavior? Jesus says, oh, not seven times. <laughs> seven times, 70 times, which is just saying, no, just bigger. Now, okay, 490, I'm keeping count. That's not what he meant. That's not where he's going with that. It's just like, no, no, you're, you've got to expand by multiplied. Like, it's, it's not that. And by the way, this is on a daily basis. So <clears throat> he says this. He says, it's like a guy. He's a king. He's got a bunch of stuff. And he, he's entrusted certain elements, certain very valuable things to different servants. And one day the king goes, you know, I'm going to see how much I have. I'm calling in all my accounts. So if I loaned you a buck, I want to see a buck back. It's, it's due now. Everybody bring it back. So this one guy comes before him. He owes him 10,000 talents, which is a, like a bar of gold. 10,000 talents of gold. A talent of gold was, was about the, the lifetime wages of a daily worker. It's 20 years of wages. After 20 years in the fields, it was hard to go back. The next generation took over. You became a grandparent. So if you went to work at 15, you know, 35, your kids were starting. They were 15 now and all that kind of stuff. You moved into a different era. So a lifetime wage. So 10,000 lifetimes of laboring in the fields. He goes, pay me. The guy goes, I don't have it. King goes, well, I think the Greek version says something along the line of sucks to be you. <laughs> so he does what is legal. This is just. This is not him being mean. This is justice. I entrusted you. You've been untrustworthy. The penalty of untrustworthiness, it has to come. So here it comes. You are to be imprisoned in debtor's prison where people starve, die of disease. They're waiting for someone else to pay off their debt. And since no one's going to pay off 10,000 lifetimes worth of debt, you're going to rot and die in debtor's prison. Your wife, 
that you love, she's to be sold as a slave into the household of another man. Your daughters, your sons are now property that will be sold and all the proceeds of the selling of your children and your spouse will come back to begin the, the, the petty repayment of a huge debt. And this guy goes, wait, 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 my, not my wife, stop. And he gets the king's attention and goes, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is my fault. This is my responsibility. I can't pay you back. Please. He gets on his knees. Please. I have one chance. I have one hope, and it's you. Forgive me. And the king has compassion and goes, okay. Takes out his debtor sheet, writes, Tatalestai, paid in full. Same thing Jesus said on the cross. It is finished. It's actually the word Tatalestai, paid in full. It's forgiven. It's done. How many of you guys think that's a great story? It's not the end of the story. He walks out. He finds a guy that owes him 100 days' wages, 100 denarii. He goes, hey, you owe me like three and a half months' worth of wages. I loaned that to you. I, I just went forward with the king. It was the most humiliating moment of my life. He forgave me, but I want that money back. He goes, I can't pay you. He goes, well, then you know what's going to happen to you, right? Come here. Magistrates, authorities, come here. Put him in debtor's prison, sell his wife, sell his kids. He goes, and he goes, wait, wait, stop, stop. I'm sorry. Listen, please, forgive me, guys. I don't care what you say. You go to prison until you pay me back. Well, guess what happens? The king finds out what this dude did. You know that debt that was forgiven? How many of us know when your mother used to call you, your father used to call you? There's a come here, it's dinner time, and there's a come here. Here. You're like, not within swatting distance. Don't get that close, man. <laughs> Stay outside. The, you know, okay, I'm over here. Here, okay, I'm here. What's up? What's up? He says, I heard what you did. You know what it cost me? 10,000 lifetimes? And I forgave you because you begged me? And you walked out on that petty crime? You put him in prison? Guess what, Jack? This is what he says. In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be what? Oh, I told you it got worse. It's, it's not just hell in the end. It's hell now. There's a weight to unforgiveness that doesn't begin when we die. There's a pain that we endure in unforgiveness that doesn't begin when we die. Turned him over to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. Now you see, wow, that, that guy was a real jerk. I'm glad God's not like that. This, Jesus says, is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. I guess I wish I was talking about like tithing today or something, right? Wouldn't it be easier? Let's talk about sexual purity and let's get mad about the government or something. I'm not kidding. To me, of all the things that Christ has ever asked me to do, this is the one that hurts me the most. There's only one thing harder than forgiving people. It's not forgiving people. The price that we pay for forgiving those who've sinned against us, trust me, please, is secondary to the price we'll pay if we don't. I think Scripture's clear. Unforgiveness literally kicks Jesus off the throne, off that place in your life that only God belongs, and it sits there arrogant. Jesus, you don't belong here. He's put me here. She's put me here. You don't belong. You're not welcome here. And Jesus, I, you know, he's Lord, but 
there's, a, there's a, an invitation, there's a free will that has to be extended for him to, to stay, to be, to come to that position in our lives. And unforgiveness is one of those things that says, well, I, I want Jesus to forgive my sins, but how many of us know any but after that, like you gotta like, get your butt out of there. You, you've got, now it's the butt sermon. You've gotta, you've gotta extinguish that butt. You've gotta, you gotta do something else. Either Jesus is Lord or the person who hurt you is. And I wish there was some other way. Literally 30 years I've been trying to find a loophole trying to find some way to explain it other than the way I'm explaining it. But as I understand it, and as I've, I've lived this, this is the reality, the only reality I can teach you. It's the only reality that I know. So that's, that's what unforgiveness's road goes to. What's forgiveness's road? What's forgiveness? What is it? Forgive, the word there means to let go, to no longer hold against, to divorce from, to leave in order to go to a different place. Now, what forgiveness is, is I'm holding on to it, holding on to it. Only you owe me what you did, what you said, how you betrayed me. You broke my heart, you stupid son of a wonderful nutcracker of a, I just can't believe it. Ah! And then one day you go, you know what? That's hurting me. That's, how many of you guys know sometimes the people we don't forgive, they move down with their lives. That, if anything ticks me off more than anything else, when they hurt me and they move on with their lives. I'm drinking poison. You're supposed to be dying right now. Come on. But if they don't, what are you doing? Someone doesn't come back and say, I'm sorry. Same thing you do if they say they're sorry. You don't forgive for their sake. You primarily forgive for yours. And when you let go of it, you divorce it. You, you move away from it. You leave it behind. That's the beginning. That's, that's the reconnection of your destiny. That's what Jesus said is the only thing that will reverse the offenses and the sins. That's what Jesus had to do. So we would have that other chance. That's what Jesus had to do so forgiveness was possible. The same thing Jesus had to do, which is live and die for you, is the same thing in some ways we have to do to forgive other people. What forgiveness isn't is just as important, by the way. You know, forgiveness isn't saying, well, that's no big deal. You know, it didn't really hurt. It doesn't really matter. Baloney, it hurt. And you matter. And it was wrong. And you don't have to make it okay. It's not okay. Matter of fact, if you make it okay, there's going to be a cognitive dissonance. Remember that word from a couple of weeks ago? It's going to be a cutoff from them. Your brain's not going to accept that. Your heart's not going to accept that. You're going to compartmentalize this somewhere else. You don't even think about it until you see them in the grocery store. You won't think about it until you, you hear that song that you used to dance to. You won't think about it until you hear the name in the newspaper. You won't think about it until you hear something bad happening. And you go, yeah, about time something bad happened to them. You won't even know about it. It's going to be in this box. But let me tell you something. Jesus knows what's in our boxes. It does affect us. It does affect us. So before you make your choice, I want you to consider these three things. Jesus isn't asking us to do anything he didn't do. You have to know that. Jesus is not up on some throne without scars saying, well, the way to do this, my people. How many of us know Jesus had to forgive a lot? Despised, rejected, beaten, bruised, shattered, crucified, naked, in front of his mama and his best friend, and they're mocking a dying naked man. You saved others. Save yourself. If you're the king, why don't you come down? Even a thief on one side, mocking him. Come on, man. Come on, Jesus. Pull a rabbit out of your hat. You can't, can you? Because you were just a liar who claimed to be Lord. And this is what Jesus' response is. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Come on. He didn't have a month or two or a year or two or five like Kevin did. In that moment, what Jesus was thinking was not justice but mercy. Are you still here? I know it's quiet, guys. Are you getting this or no? 
Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good. Yeah, I'm stewing in it right now. Thanks, Jim. Came here to be encouraged. I, I, I'm not at all encouraged by this. I want you to know this, guys. Someday we go to heaven, we're going to look around and we're going to see things. There, the Bible says that angels have been writing down things in books. You know there's nowhere in a book in heaven that says, you know, Bob or Fred or Joe, the soldier who crucified Jesus, the Pharisee who mocked Jesus on the cross, the Sadducee who said those horrible things to him, but the, the, the Caesar who put that Jesus, king of the Jews, in three languages over his head. Nowhere will it be recorded in heaven because Jesus said, Father, don't remember this. I'm not going to. Don't hold it against them. How many guys know we have a lot of power in our hearts and in our words? Before you make your choice, I want you to think about this. You're never going to be more like Jesus than when you forgive someone who doesn't deserve it. Oh, can I just give or serve? Can I, can I just be a a young adult sponsor and hang out with millennials, isn't that punishment enough for... <laughs> Sorry, Pastor Ian, that was just for fun. That was, that was, I didn't mean anything about it. Can I be on the security team and take a bullet for Pastor Jim for making fun of millennials? Can I, can I just... Listen, you're never going to be more like Jesus than when someone sins against you, doesn't apologize, and you say in your heart, Father, don't write that one down. I'm not writing it down. Don't write it down. The world needs to see what Jesus looks like. I think they're tired of hearing about a God who loves them and seeing a church that doesn't know how to love quite yet. So we got to do this. Remember years ago, there was a bunch of Amish kids that got slaughtered in their schoolhouse. Remember this? Crazy guy walks in with a weapon and just starts shooting these kids. They're not much for interviews. They didn't say much. The elder of the community came forward and they said, what are you going to do? How are you going to respond to this? What's your feeling on gun control? Was it a black gun? Was it a brown gun? Was it a handgun? What kind of gun was it? The, the person that did it said, what's your views on mental illness? What's your views on the Second Amendment? What's your views? Who'd you vote for in the last election? What's your thought? And the elder just stood up with the beard. He just simply said these three words, we will forgive. I mean, I'm crying. Except something in me knows that that was more of Jesus than I will see most days in my life who's weeping, the community's in mourning over a senseless act of stupidity instead of blaming everything and everyone like our hearts really want to, he just went to Jesus and said what Jesus would have said, we will forgive. I don't know about you, but I thought, you know, I'm afraid of horses, but the whole Amish thing looks better. I'm just saying. The day you forgive that past test becomes the testimony that sets others free. In the life of Joseph, Joseph, betrayed by his brothers, thrown into a cistern, sold into slavery. In slavery, he ascends because he's blessed by God, but then the, the wife accuses him of rape because, you know, there's hell hath no fury like a woman scorned, Shakespeare said. He experienced that long before Shakespeare said it. And, and he's in this terrible place, and he's, he's in jail, but he's ascending in jail, and people are going to remind the king, we're going to get you out of here, buddy. We're on your side. We're going to get you out of here. Everybody forgets about him. How many of you guys know if anybody had anything to forgive, it's going to be Joseph? And then Joseph, as his brothers come back after betraying him, 49 years later, they run into each other. And how many of you guys know if you haven't forgiven 49 years, it's pretty solid by now. It's not what you believed, it's who you are. It's changed you. But because mercy was part of his thing, he said this, so then it was not you to his brothers who sent me here. Everybody say here. Here. What led him there here was great injustice. Because, yeah, it wasn't you. I, I know it was you, but it wasn't you. 
I'm not saying it wasn't your hands, it wasn't your heart, it wasn't your voice. I'm saying there's a bigger plan at work here than what you did. God had a purpose for my life, and you didn't stop it from happening. God gave me a dream, and every evil thing you did towards me just moved me towards my dream. It it just made it come to pass. I didn't realize it, but as I gave you mercy, God was giving me mercy. As I didn't curse you, God was blessing me. And now I stand and I look at my brothers all these years later, a lifetime later, and I look at you and I tell you, it was not you who sent me here, but God. God, walk with me through this journey. How many guys know whatever you're going through, whatever you've been through, hear me. Maybe it's not just the hands of man that are moving you here. Maybe in some ways it's God keeping a promise. Maybe in some ways it's God purifying a heart. Maybe in some, maybe, maybe God, I don't know, but it, maybe he can take all things and he can work them together for the good. Write that down. That should be in the Bible. <laughs> you embody the word that God, that gives hope to the world. The, the word is the word of God. yes. People say, sometimes you sound like you're almost demeaning. I'm not demeaning the Word of God. I'm just saying this. Reading it is insufficient. Knowing it is insufficient. Living it is what's necessary. Faith without works is, right? So, so there has to be a corresponding life that comes out of this living Word being ingested, being read. So I'm not demeaning the Word. I'm saying being able to slap a buzzer and get 10 points is insufficient when it comes time to actually pass a test. We should teach our kids the Bible. Bible quiz is a fantastic program. I applaud it. I, I, I'm pleased. That wasn't a demeaning of any of this. I'm just saying this. We have to teach our young people and our middle-aged people and our older people. You've got to live it before it comes alive. The Word has to become flesh. Jesus took the Word of God. God said, world, I'm going to redeem you. I give you my Word. That Word was flesh in Jesus Christ. It wasn't more words. It was a man. The Word of God needs to take on flesh again and dwell amongst the nations. That's you, the body of Christ, right? My wife, when she tears, shares her testimony, it, it's one thing to say, you should forgive. It's another thing to hear my wife say, this is what my brother did to me for 13 years. And the night that I forgave him, Jesus set me free. And then I wrote him a letter and told him that I loved him. I can be in a room with him today, and, and he's my brother. I don't hold any of that against him. You're like, man, I didn't, I didn't know that was possible. Kevin can stand up here. And he, in that past test, he can say, this is what I went through. This is, why, am I, why am I thinking about killing myself? Why am I thinking about vengeance? Why am I thinking about, and that process he goes through, well, the word of God, the mercy of God becomes flesh in these people, and I stand up and say, listen, listen, I am freer now than before I was hurt because I didn't lead myself here. Jesus led me here. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are you when men revile you and curse you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you. Why? Because they did the same thing to the great men and women of God before you. This, in some ways, forgive me, it's kind of an honor. I don't want the honor. I get that. Sometimes God doesn't give us a choice, right? Your story is going to set people free. And maybe your story didn't begin today, but maybe you can take on a new chapter today. Last thought. We don't forgive because we trust the people who hurt us. Right? We forgive because we trust the one who called us to live like him. Stand your feet and nobody leave. Let's do this. Let's just do this. So Jim, is there going to be a three-week class? Will there be 10 weeks of counseling leading up my decision? How, how long do I have to consider these claims before I, I don't know. Maybe I'm asking too much. But I'm just going to ask, Okay. If you walked into this room today with unforgiveness in your heart, 
I hope I didn't, I hope I didn't scare the hell out of you. But I hope I can love the hell out of you. I hope I can, I can take the stuff that hell's trying to do to you and you can see it for what it is. It's an attack. It's the enemy. It's the devil. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood. So if it has flesh and blood, guess what? They're not your enemy. Maybe you need some more compassion. Okay, maybe they did to you what they did because someone did to them what they did to you. And maybe somebody before that. I, listen, I'm not going to try to excuse anything, but maybe we can explain some things so we can understand that you weren't the first victim. You weren't the first person. You're just the last in a long string. And if we don't deal with this here, and we don't deal with this now, we multiply the chances that you won't be the last person, but you'll be the next person. You hear what I'm saying? How do you break curses? You receive blessings. You receive truth. Today, I, I, as gently as I know how, I told you one of the most difficult things that I have ever found in Scripture. And now the decision is yours to respond to it or not. I didn't threaten you with hell, but I did quote Jesus. I didn't tell you what's going to happen when you leave this room if you don't make this decision here and now. But you guys know what happens if you leave here and now, right? You might have been ignorant 10 minutes ago, but you ain't no more. You're smart like me. <laughs> That's scary, Bob says. <laughs> so close your eyes right now. Every head bowed, every eye closed. God, is there anything in me? It still holds that against them. Is there anything in me that still hates them? That still wants them to die? That still wants them to hurt the way they hurt me? Is there anything in me? Jesus, you set the most perfect example in your agony of body, soul, and spirit. These men mocked you. Your mama wept, and there's nothing you could do to comfort her. As John sat there with a look of horror on his face, and a multitude that we could see mocked, and a multitude we couldn't see screamed. The demons, like a vortex, like a flushing toilet, just circled Golgotha and screamed, quit. They don't love you. They'll never choose you. Look what they're doing to you. The pain ends now. All you have to do is ring the bell three times. All you have to do is quit. And you hung there, feeling distant from your father. My God, my God. Why have you forsaken me? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. I can't look at you and see the 10,000 talents in my life that have been forgiven and hold a $5,000 crime against somebody. It's not permissible anymore. So every head is bowed, every eye is closed. It's you and God right now. If you understand what he's done for you, then you understand why not doing that for others is, is unforgivable. You understand. You're responsible for that knowledge. So I'm not saying this is going to be easy. I'm not saying the feelings are going to go away tomorrow. I'm saying that right now what's necessary is a decision so that tomorrow when the feelings try to come back, it's at a door that's locked that says I've made a decision. I promise you the feelings will come in time. They'll change in time. But they'll never change if you don't change what produces those feelings. You make a decision to live like Jesus lived. You'll never be more like Jesus than when you forgive someone who didn't deserve it, who doesn't deserve it, who continues not to deserve it. Mercy has a way of being blind to the stupidity and the harm. Love has a way of embracing a child, throwing a fit, harming themselves and others. 
maturity can stand back from the moment and see what's really happening and what's really needed. And God is never going to be able to reach them if we won't forgive them. God, we don't want them to be cursed. We don't want them to be, we don't want justice for them because we don't want justice for us. We want mercy for them. Right here, right now. Do it in your own way. Maybe right now the best thing you can do is just you and God, quietly under your breath. Doesn't matter. God, I forgive. Bah, just say their name. And maybe even say for what? Don't, don't go through the laundry list of offense. I forgive them for hurting me. I forgive them for using me. I forgive them for lying to me. I forgive them for betraying me. I forgive them. I understand unforgiveness has a price that is greater than the price you're asking me to pay right now for forgiveness. I, I forgive. I extend from the, the abundance of mercy that I received. I now become merciful. Blessed are the merciful. The world's going to see him and say, those, those kids look just like their daddy. They shall be called the sons and daughters of God. Oh, so hard. God, I won't kid you, it's so hard. There's only one thing harder. So I choose the hard thing that's not as hard as the hardest thing. I choose right now to forgive, to release, to let go. The whole mankind, I just hit a reset button, and I let it go. I hit the reset button, and I divorce it. I walk away. That's not mine anymore. I move on. I move away from my history that I might understand my destiny. Thank you for giving me the grace, God, because without your grace, I'd never done it. I'd never know how to walk in it from here. I hereby forevermore choose to forgive everybody for everything. Not everybody's worthy of my love. Not of my trust yet, but my love. Because I trust you, I forgive. Jesus, because I forgive, I am forgiven. Everybody said amen. I cannot tell you how glad I am that that's over. But you got to live it now. Come on, somebody say amen. You got to live it now. That's not a sermon once every 10 years. That's that's an everyday thing. Altar workers are coming forward. You need prayer for anything? We'd love to pray for you. Maybe you're like, I got questions about this before I do it. Can I forgive him and shoot him? That's a good question. Let's let's ask that. Come to the altar. We're going to ask that here. I love you guys. I really do. You're the, one of the greatest joys of my life. Do this well, will you? All right. Live long, prosper. God bless you guys. See you soon.